This is Fractal Marketing, the podcast for innovative entrepreneurs taking their product to market. Each show, we take an outside look at one company's marketing and discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, over to your host, Jared Doyle. Hey guys, and welcome to the episode. This episode, I am chatting with Daniel McGowan, who has picked the brand or the game Fall Guys. And that's what we're going to be looking at today and discussing their marketing and their rapid rise. So Daniel, welcome to the episode. Hi, Jared. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I I picked a game. It's one of those things. I was thinking about what brand I should pick. And it's just, I got so sucked in to Fall Guys, like big fan of MXC and, you know, the original Takashi's Castle. So like, yeah, no, I I decided I'm like, just watching them rise has been amazing. (laughs) Okay. So someone's listening to this and they've gone, okay, Daniel just said a whole bunch of words. I don't know what any of them are. Maybe I know Takashi's castle and we're both fumbling over those words. Can you give us the two to three lines of what Fall Guys is as a game? Yeah. Okay. So Fall Guys is kind of this game show battle royale. So like, don't think things like Fortnite or any of those games where everyone starts and tries to get to the middle of something. It's kind of like uh, those original Japanese game shows where they put their contestants through hell, except these ones are like jelly beans with legs. So they've really, really (laughs) done, done the physics in this to make it feel like you have no control. And that's probably been one of the best parts about it, you know, and that's why I think has, has really sort of helped it rise <laughs> but yeah yeah it's the same mxc is a old japanese game show as well so they've sort of taken from it so it's done in rounds so you've got up to five rounds to win against a hundred other people in your region so you spend a lot of time just going through these really really silly gauntlet-esque like game show levels so yeah that's pretty much uh <laughs> four guys in a nutshell <laughs> Okay. And so we, we speak about a few big brands on the podcast and everyone's like, yep, okay, I know that brand. I know that brand. Why, why do we care? Like what, what have these guys done? Like, why is this important? Why, why are we looking at four guys? Like have they had a couple of downloads or a few people playing it? What, what are we talking about here in terms of scale? Well, their, their marketing was just extremely intelligent for what they've done. So when they started out, they just decided, they, they got onto, um, if no one else has a PlayStation, there's something called PlayStation Plus where you pay $80 a year and you get two free games a month. And I'm talking some of the biggest games, like, you know, a lot of the uh, the Last of Us, I think, was on there a little while ago, Tomb Raider, uh, like some Call of Duties, like all these sorts of things. So this is a brand new game that gets put out on this PlayStation Plus, and it becomes the most downloaded PlayStation Plus game in a month and then on the other side it's also on pc so when you say that what are we talking about here so for someone who's coming at the screen we're talking we're talking 10 million plus downloads right 30 40 million yeah well the previous title holder was like call of duty 4 modern you know remaster and everyone's heard of cod everyone's heard of call of duty and how big that franchise is so to be beaten out you say that there will be some people who just go, I've got no idea what they're talking about. That's fair. But I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Everybody being everybody who's played a computer game has heard of it. Yeah. 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 It's like if a new musician kicked off the Beatles from like a top one, you know what I mean? Like in the first time it was like, damn. But on the other side on PC, it ended up making $185 million in a month. Like it just blew up. 
and and it, it was this virality moment where they're just like yeah everyone's gonna get on it but it's more about their marketing that's just been amazing to watch <laughs> right so when you say marketing let's, let's break that down okay so they launch do they launch with a big advertising budget a big influencer campaign or just some really really slick content what did what did they do yeah so they pretty much got that sort of thing down where you I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, meme kitting, as I've been calling it, like meme marketing, like when you sort of like use memes to sort of help you boost your uh, your marketing campaign. They just had a really good Twitter account. They really pushed memes everywhere. And I think it really captured their audience, right? Because their audience, you know, gamers are just who they are. And then they sort of of course, it's one of those things where you don't know whether or not it was a team up or whether it was just like, uh, let's have some fun with this. But one of the biggest uh, streamers on Twitch, the uh, stream, um, the gaming streaming platform, he just couldn't win <laughs> like the entire time. And he's one of the biggest streamers. Uh, his name's Tim the Tapman, is what they call him. And he just wouldn't win. So what the community manager did on the Twitter account was just start poking fun at him. It was just this constant poke of like oh you keep losing um you know i heard you've been losing uh, would you like some help like just this constant attitude of like antagonizing a streamer and it just it blew up like when he finally won it was one of the biggest streams he's ever seen and same with twitch twitch you know like hasn't seen those numbers in a while it grew so when you say he won, so just to set my mind's yeah, eye yeah, on here. So we've got, he's playing, he's got one jelly bean. He's a jelly bean. Yeah, he's and a jelly he's, bean. his character, there's 59 other jelly beans in this. So he's got a... Ooh, oh, 99. <laughs> 99 other jelly beans. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like a kid's nursery rhyme song. And these are colourful jelly beans tearing through made-up kind of inflatable-type castles and mazes and maps and, and journeys that they've got to get through. Yeah, they're full-on gauntlets. So it's like one that's just a bunch of seesaws that kick you off the map if you if you fall off, right? There's one where, like, slime rises and knocks you out. There's another one where you fall down these hexagons, like, from thing to thing. You have to, like, stay on top. There's, like, anything. Like, a lot of uh, yeah. Western civilizations would know Wipeout, right? Like though that that show where you know you just send normal people <laughs> onto these massive things that knock them over. That's pretty much it. So like all these things, right. and you get five rounds, and people get knocked off. The winners, you only get a crown, is if you you're number one after five rounds. Like so, it's an it, it, it takes a while and it's intense. <laughs> um, it could take as much as twenty to thirty minutes. But yeah, like he tried. I think he tried hundreds of times to win, and he just it wasn't working for him. And everyone, every his his audience, like you know, um, uh, Fall Guys' audience, all of them were just like, "This is great," <laughs> and just pushed it. But it created that moment, if you know what I mean, which was yeah, uh, wonderful. Okay, so we've got okay, we've got someone who's built a memeable product it is launched on a platform using working with sony and playstation to mm -hmm. allow it to reach a big audience early by giving it kind of it's, it's one of those it's the game that you get for free for that month or as part of your subscription so it's it's paid for but basically they've picked sony they picked playstation now that's interesting because when i look at this and i'll look i'll put some links into the show notes so if you're at this stage and listening to it and you're going i still don't know what they're talking about i'll stick some links to some youtube videos and stuff stop now click on that watch the youtube video get an idea of the visual sort of it's almost like a colorful dog sick picture like it's just there is so much going on and you'll get an idea okay of how crazy it is then you come back continue listening from here and then go okay this is what we've got so they've launched it now when I looked at it, if you said to me, Jerry, this is the game, what platform do you think this launched on? 
I was going to, I would look straight away and go Nintendo Switch. It's a family friendly, wholesome game. Why do you think, why do you think they picked Sony PlayStation or PlayStation as a platform? And do you think it was maybe a circumstance and that was just what was available? Or, cause I mean, look, I said, I would have assumed it was a Switch game. So I was kind of surprised to see it on PlayStation. I think it's probably one who I, who, who created the game. So, you know, um, of course, exclusive content on each one of these platforms. You know, you've got PlayStation, Nintendo, you've got Microsoft, even though it's on PC, but it's on PC through um, uh, Steam. So it doesn't really, I don't know if they had much with Microsoft. I think they knew what sort of game they were making. And yes, Nintendo Switch is a very family-friendly oriented game, like game system, right? However, this game is rage-inducing. It is not It is not something that you want your four-year-old to be playing too much, if you know what I mean. Like, I think four is probably too young for all of them, but that's all right. Yeah. As, a, as a parent, let's start this with six or seven at least. Okay, yes, yeah. I, get what you, I get what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, even then, because it doesn't, it, it's, it's one of those things, like, you give your child something that they can't really deal with, they can't really handle, and they're trying to push it down a hill, like, up a hill, of course they're going to, like, get mad. Grown adults are getting mad <laughs> because this game is, the physics engine is just, it's not, it's not good, and they did it on purpose. So, it's like, throwing this body down a hole and you're like yeah they knew their audience they knew what they were trying to induce in their audience and i just don't think a family-oriented space was where it's at interesting interesting so but at the same time it's not overly violent it's it seems to be very community-based you know so it's a royal rumble kind of thing 60 people 100 people whatever it was i thought it was 60 but 99 or 100 people playing at the same time so okay so that's where we're at I'm trying to get an idea. Does this need to play perfectly online or is this something where you can even, like some games are very solo, right? You, you log in, you put your headphones on, you play in your own office, your bedroom, your lounge room, whatever it is. And it's, it's that single experience. It might be online with other people, but it's a single physical experience. Is this a game that is starting to move back into that? Again, I'm talking about Nintendo Switch, but Nintendo brings out good family games, right? So in my house, like the default game, if people come around, is Mario Kart. Yeah. Right. Is this the kind of game that you could potentially play with other people around or is it or is this still removed and it's all online? I think it does have that very party game focus. I haven't really played it on a LAN or anything like that. You can play with a party so you can party up with other with your group and then you can go through the games. Right. Which a lot of people do. It's just, I don't know if you, because like, yeah, if you had it at a party, that's still like six people, you know what I mean? That's like, you know, at most maybe eight people, it depends on the, on the console you have. So no, it needs, it needs that hundred people because it, it does bring about this sort of just this battleground situation, this cute chubby battleground situation, which is just, you just, yeah, you just, it's once people see it and they'll be like, oh man, wow. And they'll be like, this is so silly. And then they'll play it and then they'll just be like, this I, I need to win <laughs> so yeah they've done really well on that i just don't yeah <laughs> i would stay away from the family stuff sometimes yeah so okay so it's fun it's engaging it's based on some concepts that we already understand so it's like they're pulling on a couple of things and combining them to make it fun so they're using game shows that people already know so on this launch you spoke about sort of accidental influences so that's the dream right the idea is that an influencer gets involved and then you can jump onto that make something out of it Mm. now you you spoke about twitter like how important do you think twitter was you you said they've got like this great twitter account um i want to get a bit further into that 
great. Okay, that's sort of non-descriptive. That's the, you put a status out there. But let's get what makes their Twitter great. Because I mean, hey, look, you can start with one follower. Like, how do they, how have they made their Twitter great, and mm. so other people can learn and copy and be great as well? I think it's one hundred percent the attitude of the person that they put in charge, right? So they actually put their senior community manager for their Twitter account is also a streamer. So he's 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 a Twitch person. He streams. So. And that's something that you don't really see much in this sort of marketing world, right? If you have an online presence, like we keep talking about influencers, you know, they, they can do posts and give, a, give us audience that way. But grabbing onto their brand is an interesting thing. And the content that they push out is so odd. Like the most recent photo, and this is why I say it's not really family friendly, it's not disgusting, but they show the internal skeleton of one of the beans and it looks like, it looks like alien. <laughs> it looks like an alien. <laughs> like it's just this weird, like just morphed human body. <laughs> and that's the sense of humor they have. And people are loving it. Like they grew to 1.5 million followers like in such a short period of time like the game only came out two months ago so to go from practically nothing on twitter to 1.5 million followers just for being there and like pulling out this like content around memes and is intense and like i know some brands can't do that right and some brands try to do that while wendy's is funny there's eventually they're going to have this issue of people being like yeah but you're still a brand you're not a person Mm -hmm. so the difference with fall guys is they have from the very beginning, they're like, we have a community manager, this is who it is, he'll be streaming content, he'll be doing this, he'll be doing that, so really bringing him on board that way, and I think that brought about this brand new thing, and then there's user content, like, so they've done this, sort of let everyone, you know, do whatever they want, they're very much not Nintendo, <laughs> who doesn't like people streaming. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, quite. So they have to do it themselves. So that's interesting. Community content, so you know, consumer-generated content. That's the dream that everyone wants. Mm. The characters are jelly beans. It's it's relatively simple. Like kids could actually probably draw it. I couldn't draw it because I'm absolutely ridiculously bad at drawing things. But the concept is there. It's it's relatively simple. So do you think it's a case of thinking ahead about how the community could engage or is it a case of as soon as you start to see something embracing it encouraging it and then feeding it is that is that been their approach yeah i'm pretty sure it has been i think it's 100 percent been more of this sort of we're going to uh, react to how our consume our user base is or our audience is interacting with us like if if, an, if a user makes a meme then instead of trying to hide it or, or you know what i mean like they actually celebrate it. They celebrate the weird. Of course, they don't celebrate some aspects. We we all know the the certain rule that's on the internet that you stay away from. Like, and they have been really good at stopping that sort of stuff. So, when I say that it's not a family friendly game, I don't mean that it that you shouldn't play it with your family. It's just you um you really know who's the rager in your family if you play it <laughs> together. That's, you know, like the person who's going to yell at everybody. It feels like it's less about age and more about personality. So it's like, I don't think it's about age. I think it's about, you know, control. And and look, you know, I haven't I haven't played the game and it's one of those things I don't feel like I've ever got enough time. I think if I did have time for a game, it needs to be spent with my son playing on the, on the Switch. It's kind of like that indulgent time. As a father, I'm just like, that's that's not where I get my spare time. But I was tempted to download it and I thought, no, it's one of those things. It's kind of like, you know, someone, you can't just play a little bit of some of these games. I'm like, I'll just steer completely clear of it and look at it from the outside. So, Yeah, it's that, it's that perfect Venn diagram of like, it's cute. 
it's challenging, it's annoying. And they like there's one element that I didn't actually haven't spoken about is the game changing element in it is that you can grab things, which means you can grab other people in the game. So people will hold other people and then turn and push them off the stage and knock them out. Like, which wasn't a part of, like, the game mechanic. They didn't think that's what would really happen. But just people are, are doing this. And that's why I mean it's rage-inducing. It's changed. <laughs> like, you know, it's you're all trying to get to this start point and someone's walking and then just shoves you off the edge. And you're just like, <sighs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you just sort of <laughs> have to step back. And that's where most of the user content has come from. So most of the user content has come from people griefing other people. Like there's a special stage where there's only one little bridge and people can stand on that bridge and other people try to get on it. They get knocked off and people have wiped out entire rounds of people doing that. I mean, 90 people. That's interesting. So that concept to me is similar to the reason why premiership football or soccer, like globally soccer is a, is a more pursued sport and i often find australians really struggle with soccer the concept of soccer and i so the way i get it i think australians have this inbuilt need for fairness in their sports and so if you think about sports that australians create or that we love we tend to like sports with high frequency and high scoring because if you score a lot and there's lots of opportunities and so one cricket team scores 400 next one scores 390 there's an element there that the luck and chance kind of evens out you know aussie rules you know scoring 60 70 80 points rugby league 30 40 you know 20 there's a better chance that the better team wins soccer on the other hand is one goal one nil 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 one one like this you can you can dominate the entire game the other team scores in the last couple of minutes for a bit of a luck or a bad call the whole game changes but that's where the content comes from the content comes from the frustration the bad call the you know how could they do that how unlucky are we that's the passion that's the spirit of the game and so what you're describing to me feels like the content comes from the injustice it comes from the the <laughs> woe is me story that comes out the other side and it's not fair it's not right and you know you talk about that one streamer who you know could just had a series of sort of unlucky breaks things go against them that becomes the driving force and so in a way the injustice becomes the inspiration for the content and the game grows from there. Have I read that right? Yeah, Is that no, an analogy yeah. fair? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like if you've got a hundred underdogs, like you want you know what I mean? You want every single one of them to win, but only one can win. And like on that on that sort of like griefing notion, when when these players stream, they stream live. So like if you're on the same sort of if you're watching and you're on the same round as that person, you know exactly how to grief them. So, like, I've seen videos of one person being surrounded by 20 other people (laughs) just grabbing onto them because they know he's live streaming and he's just going absolutely mad about it because all these people, like, like grabbing him and he he, he didn't win. And he's just like, I hate every single one of you. (laughs) I'm going to have to get you to uh, send through some links after this. I think it's one of those ones where, as a topic, the, the audio version of this is probably not doing it justice. So what we'll do is afterwards, I'll get Dan to send through a couple of links just to sort of demonstrate some some videos. Uh, I'll get him to send it through in like a YouTube format so that everyone can engage with it. We, we can't be going off onto random platforms like Twitch where, yes, it's super super popular, but probably not everyone's on it. No, no. There's some good YouTube stuff out there that'll show you like entire um, snippets of like, you know, compilation things. They're starting to kick off too, compilations on YouTube. So it's just all this content that's being created has pushed this brand so far. And yeah. 
<laughs> well, yeah. It, it, so I want to get back to sort of this this launch and how they do it. So I want to understand, you know, independent games platform, like you know, big big houses, advertising budgets. Because look, it's in case anyone listening hasn't realized it yet, you know, gaming is bigger than than movies, and it's it's moving in that direction. So you know, where we're used to the movie launches and big budgets and buses are overtaken and billboards and all that kind of stuff, you know, games are playing in that space now, and so people are launching games and not only spending ten you know million dollars developing it, but they're spending three or four million dollars on a marketing launch at least. You know, the numbers could be two, three, four times bigger, and that's all feasible now in the in the world of gaming. I want to get back to what these guys did because in my background research. They didn't do that. So they are independent. They didn't have a big marketing budget. They didn't buy the sides of billboards. They didn't buy cinema advertising. They didn't buy other in-game apps and ads. You know, what are we learning from this? Is this a, a one-hit wonder? Is this an anomaly that people try to replicate and it's not really replicable? Or is this possibly the new way that, that games are going to go and, and maybe the indies have got a chance to, to fight against the bigger studios? I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I think indie development in itself like the the one the one gripe everyone has with the gaming industry is this triple a attitude i'm more than happy to say that ea is one of the one of those groups that's just unfortunately every every time they bring something out there's so many issues with it there's so many bugs right and you're like you have hundreds hundreds of millions of dollars and you can't have a successful launch you see someone like mediatonic with fall guys and they put out this thing. It's buggy. It is. It, it was buggy to begin with. There were problems, and people were hitting them up online, but they knew that they weren't a big studio for it. So there was that sort of like, oh, this is this is still cute, and and I've seen that a lot. Like, um, there's another game called Among Us, which is now skyrocketing up as well. So much so that they cancelled their sequel because they wanted to work on this one. So I think the the small independent studio thing. Once again, because gaming is creating games is becoming cheaper. Of course, once you put something in the market, you know what I mean. Like that, it used to be really expensive, and now it's getting less and less. And there's like one-man teams. You know, Stardew Valley was created over ten years with one person, and that ended up making, I think, almost fifty million gross for one person. One independent person made an entire game that everybody loved. So there is ways to do it, right? And I think what it comes down to and i think you can even push this to any branding or any marketing sort of for any company is community and i I think that's always been like community with a face not so much community but community with a face having someone behind who is driving your community that everybody knows and independent studios get to do that big companies uh you either have that branding in the background like anything done by rockstar so you're looking like red dead redemption you're looking at gta grand theft auto you're looking at all these things like you know fall fallout for a couple other um bevistar and all those like they have that branding you're like oh bevistar's bringing out a new game however things like mediatonic they don't have that they don't have that branding in the back end what they do have is people and like we, we talk about the four p's in general right but a lot of people are now talking about we really need to consider the seven p's you know services marketing the the, the and one of the biggest one in there is people like how do you use the people you have to do that and i think indie developers are in a really good position to be able to look at their internal people and see how much influence they have and then almost be able to use that to push forward that thing but it's once again, they did that until they got to a point of virality where other people jumped on board and that those external stakeholders, those, you know, those streamers, those all that, they just started to blow up. So I, I think I think we're gonna see a really good a really big rise in independent gaming studios 
who are using this tactic. Yeah, I like look. I like the idea. In my, if I was going to distill that, for me, part of the trick with this is not pretending to be bigger than you are. So if you are big and you can produce big, great, and you'll be judged and held against that. But you get the advantage about being big to start with. If you're not as a company, own your size. So if you're small, you're single, you're medium size, whatever it is, own that because with that comes a little bit of forgiveness. And so, you know, we we do have a default position often with companies. We talk about ourselves or our team or we try to think that if we act big, people are going to see trust in that. And actually, everyone makes mistakes. And what people are more sympathetic to the smaller company, the independent, and you can get hold of it. So I think that's, that's a very good lesson that we can take from a marketing point of view everywhere. The second one, that you mentioned there that I really liked was around community. It's this idea of creating a community and then like letting it go. So it's about having that, allowing it to sort of take off. And my first experience of that was working with the Coca-Cola company and we were talking about their social media and on Facebook. And it was really interesting because they said, well, we don't actually run those pages. They're run by our fans. And now this might not be the case anymore, but at the time people created their coca-cola fan pages and what they realized was they had an, a choice they could either sort of be big company and come in and take them over or, or wipe them off the internet and produce sanitized versions or just work with them and build communities and allow those people to come through and gee, it was such a lesson because i'd been working with so many big brands who were just so tight on the brand and what they wanted to do and he was one of the great brands of modern time willing to say hey we're just going to let our community run with it we don't really know social media it's not part of our marketing mix yet well this is not part of our advertising mix we're going to let the community run with it so yeah i like that idea of you know if you love it set it free kind of thing so it's it's you've got to so create something that can be a community, be real, be honest, be raw, own your your faults, get to a stage where the community is creating content and then let them go. And then and then all your your only job then is to stop it from going like really wrong, <laughs> you know, yeah. as you said earlier on. Well, I think I think it was something like four guys, because it turned it turned it around in a couple of months, right? And you can't do that. No no company who's starting out can do that. Because they didn't really start out. They were working for other companies. They, I think they, oh, there was one game that I just looked at. And I was like, what? They, they did this remake of this Japanese game called How to, How to, How to Boyfriend, which is a pigeon dating simulator, which is the weirdest thing, right? But <laughs> you can imagine the fan base that would have been around that. So they already had that, right? And then they brought out this new game and they're like, this is actually our game. What do you think? And people are like, we love it. Like, let's keep going with it. So I think there's a foundational issue. There's a foundation issue when it comes to brands that start out. They think that they can create something, put it out there, and the community will run with it. It's like, no, you've got to build it. And that's where things like people branding comes in. Like, who are the people that you have around you? Are they the ones that are going to push it for you? Because it's harder for you to push something when someone can just tell their audience about it. You know, like, and that's where influences and, um, affiliates come in and you can find an influencer that's that's going to really enjoy your product and push it forward from the beginning as long as you have a good product if you don't have a good product then you've got to find a way to make a good product (laughs) i think is the only thing to say to that one (laughs) makes a lot of sense actually that's a really good segue so dan do you want to give us a quick a quick run through on what what humble links is and and what you're doing there because it's 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 a startup but you know you've got yeah there's a mission there i wonder if you can give us a quick update on where you're at yeah, so Humble Links is uh, pretty much what we want to do is we want to kind of create this authentic connection between influencers and brands, right? 
as well as the the uh, intermediaries, intermediaries like the the agencies and all that sort of stuff. So that end-to-end -end situation. Right now, we're sort of looking at discount codes and how discount codes are used and how they're tracked, and sort of giving that audience analysis to sort of influencer marketing agencies and um, influencers themselves if they want to. So we're trying to, of course, figure out the like like every startup, we're trying to figure out the best way forward, but. What I sort of figured out is that if you do something that's technically end-to-end, -end, finding the first like user can be tricky, but you can sort of create something that's for everybody, right? Because, you know, you, you do that analysis, then you're like, oh, that's good for brands, that's good for influencers, that's good for agencies themselves. So, yeah, our entire sort of hope for Humblelinks is to create that sort of centralized platform. And mainly the real thing I want to look forward to is sort of like fair market value for influencers like influencers should be paid what they're worth and brands should be able to pay you know what they think people are worth as well so there's that compromise and i think we can facilitate that in the long run so yeah that's kind of what I'm that's doing. good that's good it's a good mission statement to have there i really like that so if people want to uh find humble links or they want to find you digitally what are the best channels to find you and humble links I'm gonna become more active on social. Like uh, I've, I've, I've always lacked in it. I'm a do as I say, not as I do marketer, and I need to really change that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely available on Twitter, and I'm gonna get back on LinkedIn quite a lot. You can find humble links at h, um, so hmbl dot ink. So we have a shortened one due to like shortened links, and of course it had to be weird uh, and small <laughs> and not a full word. We're about to launch our actual first version directory, so you can come and hopefully we'll have user profiles by the time this goes out, so people will be able to follow uh, different codes and save them and do all that. So yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely going to be <laughs> an interesting couple of months for us, but that's kind of where you can find us. <laughs> great. Thanks so much for sharing, Dan, and thanks so much for uh, being on the episode today. No, it's been great, Jared. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.